Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. I've been talking to you the last two weeks about slave or free, and today is part three of that message. Now, in just a few days, we will be celebrating 4th of July. I have to tell you, it's one of my most favorite holidays. I love fireworks. And when my daddy was alive, he was always my assistant. And we let off fireworks every 4th of July. I've still been holding true to that tradition as best I can. But I have family members that want to go home before it gets dark. So that's a real bummer. But anyway, we call 4th of July Independence Day. I guess you could say it's a free day. It's about freedom. It's about America's freedom from England, from English rule, from kingly rule. What a great day to celebrate freedom. Now, I've been talking to you about slave or free Obviously, from the spiritual aspect, it's such an important topic. But because we are on the heels of 4th of July, I thought I would share a story with you today that I think is one of the most incredible stories. And obviously, it's a true story. You know, you almost can't make up stories like this one. It's um, almost too hard to believe. And I happened to hear these two men speak um, at a prayer conference. And wow, this story is really going to rock you. This is a story about two current day abolitionists. One is white by the name of Matt Lockett. One is African-American black by the name of Will Ford III. And the story, as you'll soon find out, talks about how these two men, their lives have intertwined, not knowing the history of their ancestors. And it's very exciting, interesting story. So I want to share that with you today since we've been talking about slave or free. So, Father, I thank you for the listening audience today. I thank you, Father, for opening their spiritual ears to hear. Lord, I ask you to soften hearts today. Father, I ask you to remove any prejudice that's in our heart. And, Lord, I know there can be all manner of prejudice, not just skin color. But I'm asking today, specifically, Father, that you would remove any prejudice in our heart toward people of color, whether that's African-American, Black, Hispanic, Asian, Native American. Father, when we know you as, G- as our Savior, it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our skin color is. We are all one in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for helping people who might struggle in this area. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to really touch their heart today. Lord, may they make a 
new and a true commitment to walk without prejudice toward people of any color. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, I'm going to share this story. During the civil rights movement of the 1960s, just as in the days of slavery in America, a remnant of whites and blacks labored together. Dr. Martin Luther King addressed this unity in his I Have a Dream speech. I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. In the days of slavery, former slave Richard Allen preached the gospel as a Methodist circuit-riding companion of former slave owner Freeborn Gerritsen. Today, members of a new united remnant are realizing we are inextricably bound to each other in our desire for spiritual awakening and justice for all. The writer, Will Ford, writes about Black History Month and how it moves his heart in a profound way because of a kettle passed down in his family and a Virginia farmhouse that unites him with his friend in ministry, Matt Lockett, a house that once stood between foes in a divided nation. Today, God is using, and I'm going to jump back here because he's actually writing this as his personal experience. So, today, God is using our profound story and shared inheritance to unite the church for spiritual awakening and healing in America. It takes a book, which Matt and I are working on, to convey all the providential history and layers of meaning in our story. What I'm sharing here is just the tip of the iceberg. Our story begins with a 200-year-old black kettle used by my Christian slave forebears in Lake Providence, Louisiana used for cooking and washing clothes during the day. This kettle was secretly used for prayer at night. Forbidden to pray by their slave master, my ancestors were beaten unmercifully if found doing so. However, in spite of their master's cruelty and because of their love for Jesus, they prayed anyway. Sneaking into a barn at night, they carried this cast-iron pot into their secret prayer meeting. As others looked out and kept watch, those inside prayed. Turning the pot upside down on the barn floor, they propped it up with rocks, suspending the pot a few inches above the ground. Then, while lying prostrate or kneeling on the ground, They prayed in a whisper underneath the kettle to muffle their voices. The story passed down with the kettle. The story, excuse me, the story passed down with the kettle is that they risked their lives to pray for ensuing generations. One day, freedom came. A teenage girl whose name is lost to history decided to keep this pot 
and pass it down along with the story of how others prayed for our freedom. She passed the story and kettled down to Harriet Lockett, who then passed it on to Nora Lockett, who then passed it on to William Ford Sr., then to William Ford Jr., who then gave it to me, William Ford III. Though my forefathers only used this kettle to keep their prayers from being heard outside the meeting, it became symbolically, probably without their knowing it, their bowl of intercession. It is important to understand the dynamics of what happened in the spirit realm. Revelation 5.8 speaks of bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints before the throne of God. Zechariah 14.20, out of the NASB version, says, And the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like bowls before the altar. This kettle, or prayer bowl, caught the muffled prayers on earth, just as bowls in heaven caught their prayers as incense. And in Revelation 8, when these bowls are released, one of the manifestations on the earth is voices. White Christian abolitionists slash revivalists like Francis Asbury and Charles Finney became voices for the voiceless. Their sermons, spoken in public, became answers to prayer whispered in private. Along with black revivalists and abolitionists like Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth, the white Christian abolitionists awakened the conscience of America to the value of human life, equality, and justice. Revelation chapter 8 also says that at some future point, God will add his incense and fire to these prayers, which manifests his judgment or justice on earth. And that is just what he did. In 1857, many felt a U.S. Supreme Court decision sealed the fate of enslaved African Americans. In Dred Scott versus Sanford, the Supreme Court justices ruled by a 7-2 decision that slaves were the property of their masters with no human rights or representation in court. But because of prayer and acts of obedience, hearts were changed And eventually, this demonic decree over America was broken. Revival was released, and justice came, setting slaves free. Both prayer and action comforted God's heart. Today, our generation is also being called to prayer and action, to be voices for the voiceless, releasing revival and justice Dr. King said in his I Have a Dream speech, quote, for many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, 
have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. And they have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably, inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. End quote. Just as God raised up a unified remnant of black and white during slavery and the civil rights movement today, he is connecting the past with the future in more ways than one. As God would have it, as my locket forefathers in Lake Providence, Louisiana, prayed for years for slavery to end, the last major battle of the Civil War happened at a property called Lockett Farm, just north of Farmville, Virginia. I didn't know about this until about four years ago, when one of my best friends, Matt Lockett, director of Bound for Life and Justice House of Prayer, D.C., discovered he is a direct descendant of this Lockett family. In other words, since he is a direct descendant, It could be said that over 150 years ago, the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. History records that Lockett Farm was the site of the last battle before Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered three days later, April 9, 1865, at the Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. As friends, we were amazed by our uncanny quote, locket, unquote, coincidence. But as more was revealed in the months to come, we discovered we are connected to the same locket family. Yes, you read that correctly. We've learned that several ancestors in Matt's family owned many, many slaves. After a year and a half of research, empirical evidence reveals that Matt's family of lockets in Virginia owned my family of lockets in Louisiana, who, according to U.S. Census records, originated in Virginia. As this profound history unfolded, we wept together. This revelation blew our minds. Our connection is more than a coincidence, and the prayers of my slave forefathers were literally answered in the front yard of the same Lockett family who owned them. The same Lockett family of one of my friends, Matt Lockett. Though we've served in a national ministry together, I was one of the first Bound for Life board members 13 years ago. None of this was revealed to us until Matt's discovery of Lockett Farm four years ago. I've always known I was a son of former slaves, but it wasn't until 2013 that Matt learned he was the son of former slave owners. About a year after this initial discovery, we learned that God was answering prayers for freedom and the ending of slavery on Matt's side of the Lockett family as well. Matt found out that another Lockett in his family line 
was one of Francis Asbury's circuit-riding preachers, a revivalist and abolitionist who stood against slavery. In light of Matt's ministry and impact today, it is no coincidence this Methodist revivalist is part of his family heritage. Nor do I consider it a coincidence that for 13 years, I've been friends with a descendant of those same lockets, contending together for revival as a new breed of abolitionist. What's even more astounding is that when we first met on January 17th, 2005, Martin Luther King Jr. Day at a prayer meeting at the Lincoln Memorial where Dr. King said, I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. We have wondered if Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech wasn't merely poetic, but rather prophetic. Perhaps God had my family kettle come from a town called Lake Providence to show that all our destinies are more tied together than we realize. And the lake of his providence is way deeper and wider than we know. When God gets this detailed in revealing history, you can't help but notice his signs and begin to wander and ponder. One question we've been pondering is, why was this hidden from us until now? Perhaps it's because God knew racial tension and unrest would be rife in our nation now. Ferguson, Missouri, Charlottesville, Virginia, and other hot spots are only manifestations of the wounds God wants to heal and will heal through a unified, godly remnant. Another question is, what is God saying to us in all of this? I don't believe I have all the answers, but I believe he is saying he is serious about us connecting with the past to empower an awakening that will shape our nation's future. He is also revealing that life is precious. Nothing just happens and no one is a mistake. Just as God addressed innocent bloodshed during slavery, he also wants us to deal with the issue today, which is the injustice that concerned Matt and me years ago. On Martin Luther King's celebration day in 2005, Matt heard me speak for the first time about a new revival and justice movement, which included the unborn, And ever since, we've been praying for a revival that will end abortion before we even knew 
our shared family history. The God who wept over Walter Scott and Philando Castile is the same God who sheds tears over five police officers killed in Dallas, Heather Heyer killed in Charlottesville, and more than 60 million babies aborted in America. Will ending abortion fix all of our social ills? No, but we can truly solve any problem in our communities while abortion still exists. When we devalue people we cannot see and make them optional, inevitably it is easier to devalue some of the people we can see until they become marginal. The answers, of course, lie in the church. The church was also the answer during slavery and the civil rights movement. A new remnant of Christians of all races working together on abortion and other issues such as systemic poverty, education, and mass incarceration must pray for spiritual awakening. We must be voices for the voiceless in our day. In God's irony, Lockett's farmhouse, the same house that unites Matt and me, is the same house that stood between a divided nation. History records that the Confederate Army was in front of the Lockett Farmhouse and the Union Army was in the back. The house stood between these armies and though riddled with bullets, it is still standing today. Historians say that after the Southern Army surrendered, the Lockett House was set up the next day as a hospital for both Confederate and Union soldiers. Its floorboards were stained with the mingled blood of both sides as former black slaves worked with white nurses to heal the wounds of brothers who had been fighting each other. It is a picture of intercession, a house of prayer, standing in the gap for the nation in the middle of conflicts where brothers are still divided along class, ideological, political, and racial lines. Once again, God is raising up a house that stands between the living and the dead to use our intercession to stop the plagues of culture. Matt and I believe it is no mistake that we first met in a prayer meeting on Martin Luther King's celebration day at the Lincoln Memorial and have been sitting at the table of brotherhood ever since. Today, he and I endeavor to stand united in the house of prayer to heal a divided nation once again. Now God is using us to call believers of all races to join in prayer and intercession because only a united church can heal a divided nation. 
In December 2017, Charlottesville clergy asked us to participate in a prayer meeting for healing the community. Not far from there stands the Locket Farm, which has a memorial stone in the front of the yard that reads, April 6, 1865, here Lee fought his last battle. Our family's 200-year-old kettle in hand. We went back to the spot where the prayers underneath the pot were answered. We built an altar there and prayed. Though we prayed tears of joy in thankfulness, we also prayed for another laying down of arms. Our earnest prayer is that America would unconditionally surrender to the God of Providence. That concludes the story of Matt Lockett and his family's Virginia farmhouse and Will Ford III, whose Lockett family had the kettle, the black kettle, where prayers of intercession were poured out for years and years and then passed down from one generation to the next. You see, only God in his sovereign providence could have known that one day these two men, a former slave family, generation of a former slave owner, and the family of a generation of a former slave would one day come together, would one day join arms and believe and pray for justice, for a revival, for an awakening. Folks, I don't think that's coincidence. I think that is one of the most incredible stories I have ever heard. You see, it shows the power of God. It shows that God really has America's best interest at heart. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we are entering into a time when we will see our nation healed. If you have never prayed, I would encourage you, pray for America. Pray for healing between the white and the black cultures. Pray for God to move mightily, to begin to awaken people's hearts. I believe that the third great awakening, we are just on the tipping point of it. And all the bowls of intercession 
that thousands of people across this nation have sent up to heaven. Those bowls are going to tip and we are going to see the greatest revival and the coming of souls into the kingdom like we have never seen before. Slavery or free? I believe that one day, soon and very soon, we will truly be free. And although we celebrate 4th of July, Independence Day, that freedom that we so so cherished when we were free from the King of England and all of what that entailed, but yet still struggling as a nation to be free and unified. So I just call on the church and say, let's unify our hearts today. Let's bring true independence to the nation of America. Well, this is Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today. You can listen to this podcast for free. I'm encouraging you to to sow into this ministry. If this ministry touches your heart, if it ministers to you, if it encourages and strengthens you, if it helps you, I'm asking you to sow a seed. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. And I assure you that your Your funds totally support this ministry, this radio ministry, and the paying for this radio ministry. I'm not putting this in my pocket. This is to further the gospel, I assure you. So I thank you for your prayers for our ministry. We need your prayers. And we also would... Desire your financial support. If you feel like God is leading you to help us, please send your check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week. So, shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.